Welcome to the Sermon Podcast of Redeemer Church. Redeemer Church is located in Fate, Texas, and her mission is to share the gospel, shape disciples, and send missionaries into the surrounding communities and across the globe. We hope that this week's message will bring glory to God by building you up and results in you looking more and more like Jesus himself. that you have made it here to be with us at Redeemer Church this morning. Um, As you are making your way in, will you please stand in honor of the reading of God's word as we read from the book of Deuteronomy together. Know therefore that the Lord your God is God, the faithful God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. And church, as we, as we look at the Advent season, as we look at the Christmas season, we know that the Lord's God, that his love for us has extended from the time of Deuteronomy with the Israelite people to us now in the church age. In church, it is a blessing that we have a God who cares for us and loves us in such a great way that he personally came to be with us and to love us. So church, let's worship that God together this morning. Shall come to 
Deliver. 
church, you may be seated as we enter into our time of our Advent candle lighting and corporate prayer. Good morning. Um, somewhere near your seat, you guys will probably have one of these guest cards and prayer request cards. Um, if you could just fill that out, if you're a guest, we would love to know that you were here with us this morning, and someone will reach out to you just to thank you for coming. And on the other side is a section for prayer requests. If you guys have any prayer needs um, for yourself or for others, please let us know. We do have a prayer team that regularly prays for those, and we would love to pray with and for you. Psalm 89, 1 through 4. I will sing of the steadfast love of the Lord forever. With my mouth, I will make known your faithfulness to all generations. For I said, steadfast love will be built up forever. In the heavens, you will establish your faithfulness. You have said, I have made a covenant with my chosen one. I have sworn to David, my servant. I will establish your offspring forever and build your throne for all generations. Selah. And from 1 John 3, 7 through 12. Dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. The one who does that, am I right? Nope, I changed chapters. Four, that was not what I read this morning. So 1 John 4, 7 through 12. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God makes more sense. <laughs> Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins Dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. So let's, let's light the candle, and then we will pray. So it sounds like it's a simple statement that God is love. And although it is a simple statement in, in words and grammar written down, it is complex and something for us to contemplate and to consider. Um, there are four candles. We have hope and peace and joy. That was fun last week. Joy was wonderful. And love, the greatest of these is love. So as we, as we pray this morning, I want you to consider that God is love and what that means to us. Um, let us pray. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to gather together. Um, we thank you for your, your word going out. I pray that you will soften our hearts and our minds 
for us to hear what you have for us, us this morning. We thank you for this Advent season as we remember you sending your son into the world um, to be born and to live and to die because you loved first. We thank you and praise you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. And hopefully I don't get close enough to this candle to do anything dangerous. <laughs> we'll see. Good morning, Redeemer family. How are you this morning? I'm jet lagged. Thank you very much. Um, uh, I want to say thank you on behalf of our uh, South Africa team. Thank you for your prayers. Thank you for your support. Our team did a wonderful job. I was so uh, proud of our Redeemer folks. And we had a great time training and graduating and commissioning our interns. And I just want to thank the families that were represented on our team. Thank you for uh, supporting your spouse as they went. Um, the t I could not have imagined a better trip. And I just want to thank the team for the prayer and their co financial commitments and our church for praying for us uh, while we were gone. So thank you. Uh, I also want to say that I have been known when I've been jet lagged, and my wife will bear testimony to this, to fall asleep in mid-sentence. So, I mean, it could happen today. I don't think it will, but if it does, Redeemer, you have two choices. Somebody can either come up here and punch me and wake me up, or you can all go while I'm asleep and, and make a run for it. So it's your choice. You, you have the choice here. Well, uh, the title of my message is The Greatest Love Story, and we are celebrating love at Advent, and we'll be looking at Revelation chapter 5, so if you want to get there in your, on your mobile device or in your Bible, and it will also be on the screen in front of me, and I'm going to do a, something a little different today. I'm not going to read the whole passage. We're going to read it in, in sections, and we'll walk through it. Um, but there's a short story called The Gift of the Magi. It was written in 1905 by O. Henry. And this is a story of a young couple named Jim and Della. They're struggling to make ends meet, and they both desire at Christmas time to give each other a special gift. Della decides to sell her most precious possession, and you probably already know what that is, her long hair. She sells it to a wig maker so that she can have money to buy her husband a, a watch chain for this watch that has been in his family for generations and is a precious possession. Meanwhile, while Della is doing that, Jim decides to sell his pocket watch in order to buy two beautiful hair combs that Della has admired in a shop window. So the irony of this story is that their mutual sacrifice rendered the other person's gift useless. The story warms our hearts because it teaches us about generous and sacrificial love. The great love stories throughout history have invariably involved great personal sacrifice. The heroes of these stories were not only willing to sacrifice possessions or relationships, but sometimes they made the ultimate sacrifice of offering their very own lives to save their beloved. 
Today, we will hear the greatest love story of all time, and it involves the ultimate act of generous, sacrificial love. For greater love has no one than this, to lay one's life down for one's friends. So today, as we look at this story, I'm going to break it into several sections. We're going to first look at the author of this greatest love story. So before we start in Revelation 5, turn with me to Revelation 1, and we'll look at verse 1 and 2. Every story has an author. And we find out in Revelation 1 who the author of this greatest love story is. Let's read it together. The revelation from Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who testifies to everything he saw. That is the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. So from the very first words of the first chapter of Revelation, we see that the author of this great love story is none other than Jesus Christ, and it's a revelation that God gave him, and he gave it to him so that he could show us what would soon take place. And then he sent to this narrator, this storyteller, the Apostle John. And I love that he chose John. I don't know how much you know about the Apostle John, but he is credited with writing five books of our New Testament. The first one is the Gospel according to John, the Gospel of John. And then we read from one of them this morning, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. And then he has been credited with writing Revelation. And I love this because I don't know if you remember when Jesus reconciled with Peter on the shore of Galilee. And they had this, do you love me, Peter? Yes, Lord, I love you. Feed my sheep, care for my sheep. They go through this. And when Peter's all done in typical Peter fashion, he looks around and sees the apostle John following. He goes, but Lord, what about him? And I love what Jesus said. He said, Peter, if, if it's my will that he tarries and lives till I return, what is that to you? Just follow me. And so this is that same John that was there at that time when Jesus reconciled Peter and showed the full extent of his love. He's also the same person that when he wrote about himself, he didn't call himself by his name. You know what he said? He said, the disciple whom Jesus loved. So if any of the apostles really understood love, it was the apostle John. And so it's appropriate to me that in this revelation of this greatest love story, that John would be our narrator. So let's travel with John. Let's look, secondly, not at just the author, but let's look at the setting. Turn with me to Revelation 4, just a page back, and let's look at 1 through 8. John says, After this I looked, and there before me was a door standing open in heaven. And the voice I had first heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the Spirit, and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. And the one who sat there had the appearance of jasper and ruby, a rainbow that shone like an emerald encircled the throne. Surrounding the throne were 24 other thrones, and seated on them were 24 elders." 
They were dressed in white and had crowns of gold on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning, rumblings, and peals of thunder. In front of the throne, seven lamps were blazing. These are the seven spirits of God. Also in front of the throne, there was what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. In the center, around the throne, were four living creatures, and they were covered with eyes in front and in back. The first living creature looked like a lion. The second was like an ox. The third had a face like a man, and the fourth was like a flying eagle. Each one of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under its wings. Day and night, they never stopped saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. So the setting of this great love story, we see the Apostle John opening a door in heaven and walking through to another world. And there he sees a throne in front of him. And he himself doesn't tell us who's sitting on that throne. He says, him who sat on the throne. And then we see these beings surrounding the throne. So it's meant to engage our imagination and our senses as we join John in looking at this scene in heaven. And you think about the fact that these four creatures in front of the throne, they reveal who it is that's sitting on the throne. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. So this setting has taken us to the very throne room of Almighty God, and in front of that throne, those seven blazing torches, that's symbolic of the Holy Spirit. And so we see this amazing scene in heaven, and that's the setting for this greatest love story. And thirdly, we see the plot. The plot. Turn with me to Revelation 5, 1 through 4. Every plot, the plot of every story is the sequence of events that shape a broader narrative with every event causing or affecting the other. So this is a love story. In fact, it's the ultimate love story. And the scene starts with what appears to be a hopeless situation for which there is no remedy. Let's read it together. Then I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside it. I wept and wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside. So this is the plot of the story. The Apostle John weeps and weeps with a hopeless and broken heart because there is no one found in all of the universe who is worthy to open the scroll. Now, if this story stopped here, we'd say this is a great tragedy. I mean, how could it get any worse? But that's what I love about this great love story is because although the plot starts with what seems to be an impasse and and an impossibility, in walks a hero. 
And this is how John describes it. You know, every love story has a hero, and none is greater than the hero in this story. So let's look at verse 5, 5 through 7. In the midst of John's weeping and weeping and for what seems to be a very long time, one of the 24 elders stands up and he says to me, do not weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. Then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing at the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. The lamb had seven horns and seven eyes, and that symbolizes authority and illumination. And the, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. He went and took the scroll from the right hand of whom, him who sat on the throne. So now we see this hero, and John tells us very clearly who it is. There's no mistaking who this is. First of all, he says, the lion of the tribe of Judah. What is that all about? The lion of the tribe of Judah. Turn back with me to Genesis chapter 49, and let's look at verses 9 and 10. Genesis 49, 9 and 10. What is this lion of the tribe of Judah? What we're seeing here is a scene when Jacob, the son of Isaac, who was about to die and go the way of all the earth, he takes his 12 sons and he begins to bless them. He offers the fatherly blessing. And when he gets to Judah, his son, this is what he says in verse 9. You are a lion's cub, Judah. You return from the prey, my son. Like a lion, he crouches and lies down. Like a lioness, who dares to rouse him? And listen to this in, chapter, in verse 10. The scepter will not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet, until he to whom it belongs shall come, and the obedience of the nations shall be him. You see Jacob, when he is providing this blessing to his son Judah, he's actually prophesying. This is a messianic prophecy. He's talking about eventually the scepter will be given to the one to whom it belongs. And in Revelation 19, we see that the person to whom it belongs is none other than this hero of our story, the Lamb of God. So Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah. And then he goes on to describe this hero as the root of David. Now, where does that come from? Let's turn to Isaiah chapter 11. Isaiah 11. And let's look at verse one. The prophet Isaiah says, a shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel and of might, the spirit of the knowledge and fear of the Lord, and he will delight in the fear of the Lord. So this again is a messianic prophecy. Isaiah, hundreds of years before the birth of Christ, predicted that 
there would come a stump out of Jesse, and Jesse is the father of King David. So we see that this messianic prophecy has been fulfilled, and, and Paul himself, if you turn to Romans 15, 12, turn there with me. Romans 15, 12. Paul is talking about Jesus, and he says in verse 12, and again Isaiah said, the root of Jesse will spring up, one who will arise to rule over the nations, in him the Gentiles will hope. So we see that it's very clear that the lion of the tribe of Judah and the root of David, there our hero is none other than our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And then um, the third symbol that he uses is he calls our hero a lamb looking as if it had been slain. A lamb looking as if it had been slain. Do you remember from Isaiah 53 where it talks about he who would come and be rejected of men and be a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief? It says that he was led like a lamb to the slaughter. So we know that this lamb that has been slain is who Isaiah talked about in Isaiah 53. It's also who John the Baptist talked about when he, preparing the way for the Messiah, what did he say? Behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So we see the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, the lamb looking as if it had been slain are all symbols of the one and same person, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So this lamb who alone approaches the throne is Jesus Christ. And then we have not only the hero, but we have the story itself. And this story is divided into four acts as we look at it. First of all, this is act number one. We could not have loved him less we could not have loved him less. Let's look together at Isaiah 53, Isaiah chapter 53. I'm going to give your Bibles a workout today, but he is worthy of this. Amen? <laughs> if I can get to Isaiah 53, I've got too many markers in my Bible here. Look in verse 1. The prophet Isaiah says, who has believed our message and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. And here's the key. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised, and we held him in low esteem. So we see that we could not have loved him less. John 1, verse 11, John says, he came unto his own, and what's the rest of that? And his own received him not. Friends, this hero 
came into a world that despised and rejected him. We despised and rejected him. To put it bluntly, we just didn't want him, did we? You think about your life before you came to know Christ. How many times did you stiff arm him? How many times did you and I reject him? And so this hero, when we think about the bigger love story, the the truth is we could not have loved him less. We despised and rejected him. But that's only the first act. Here's the second act. He could not have loved us more. Okay, first act, we could not have loved him less. Second act, he could not have loved us more. God wanted us. And him who sat on the throne, the Lord God Almighty, what does John 3.16 say? say? For God, that same God on the throne, loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son, our hero, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Friends, God wanted us. Let's look at uh, verse 8 and 9 of chapter 5. And when he had taken it, he's talking about the scroll that he took from the right hand of God the Father. When he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, each one with a harp that they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. You see, God wanted us. He alone took the scroll from God. He alone is worthy, and he wanted us. As I said earlier, greater love has no one than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. He was the lamb who was slain. And that's how we see him in this story. So God wanted us. I don't know why. I can't tell you why. Uh, The God in heaven who sits on the throne would want you or me. But yet we see that he loved us so much that he sacrificed his one and only son. And I, for one, am truly grateful. It is unmerited favor. We're not worthy. No one was found worthy to open the scroll. No one is worthy of this kind of love. But yet, God loved us. He wanted us. Act number three, he has won our affection. Revelation 5.10, speaking of the Lamb, you have made them to be a kingdom and priest to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. Now, not only can I not understand why God would want us, I really don't understand why he would decide to make us a kingdom and priest to serve our God and that we would reign with him one day. It defies our human understanding that for us to not want him, we could not have wanted him any less He has won our affection. I mean, you think about it. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each one of us has turned to our own way. The Bible goes so far as to say in Romans 5.10 that you and I were at one time enemies of God. Enemies of God. 
But you see, that's not the whole story, is it? How do enemies become part of the greatest love story of all time? Well, the prophet Isaiah tells us in Isaiah 53, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. That's how. There was a substitute. The Lord laid on him our iniquities. Isaiah goes on to say, surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted. Oh, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds, we are healed. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. That's the rest of that story. We have become a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and we will reign on the earth because of the substitution of Jesus Christ on the cross for our sins. He was punished for our iniquities. By his wounds, we are healed. I love the song by Corey Asbury called Reckless Love. He says it so powerfully, I, I wanted to share it with you. When I was your foe, still your love fought for me. You have been so, so good to me. When I felt no worth, you paid it all for me. You have been so, so kind to me. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. Oh, it chases me down, fights till I'm found, leaves the 99. And I couldn't earn it. I don't deserve it. Still, you give yourself away. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. Friends, we could not have loved him less and we couldn't have deserved that love any less, but God pursued us. He fought for us. He paid it all for us with a never-ending, reckless love. Paul says it this way, for if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through his death, the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? You see, the Lamb of God was slain. And through that, he bought us back for God. Let's read uh, Revelation 5, 11 through 14. Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. In a loud voice they were saying, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. While we were still sinners, that Lamb of God died for us. 
This flies in the face of every false notion that we must get our act together and clean ourselves up to approach a righteous God. We just don't get it, do we? None of us has been or ever will be found worthy. The Lamb of God was slain because He alone is worthy. His sacrificial death brought our redemption, and He purchased you and I for God from every tribe, language, people, and nation. And friends, I've traveled a lot of places in this world in my ministry, and I've, seen, I've worshiped with people from every tribe, language, people, and nation, or at least a lot of them. And that same Lamb of God died for them, and He has brought us all together by this amazing, reckless love. And so He won our affection. Aren't you glad? I'm so glad that He pursued me until I responded to Him, and by faith I accepted Him as my Savior. That pursuit, that tireless pursuit, overwhelms me sometimes. And so, because he's won our affection, now we adore him. That's act four. Now we adore him. Let's look at 11 through 14 there. My eyes are watering up, so it's hard to see. <laughs> we join the angels in saying, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth, guess what, that includes you and I, right? And on the sea and all that is in them saying, to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb, be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. The four living creatures said amen and the elders fell down and worshiped. So what is our response to such sacrificial love? Well, we love him because he first loved us. There's no other one in heaven, on earth, or under the earth who is worthy of our devotion and affection. He alone is worthy to open the seals and the scroll, to receive the worship of the heavenly host and every creature in the universe. In fact, a new song will be sung, a love song for our hero, the Lamb of God, and we will join the heavenly throng in praise and adoration for the Lamb of God who took away the sins of the world. So until then, those are the four acts of the play. And until then, when we are around the throne with all of the heavenly beings praising and worshiping him. We join the refrain of churches around the world from every tribe and language and people and nation. And this is what we say. Sing, choirs of angels. Sing in exultation. Sing, all ye citizens of heaven above. That's you and I. Glory to God, all glory in the highest. O come, let us adore him. O come, let us adore him. O come, let us adore him. Christ the Lord, our hero. Let's pray.
Father God, as we've taken in this scene of heaven that the Apostle John has narrated, and we realize the sheer hopelessness and unworthiness of this world without the Lamb of God, then our hearts are even more grateful that you so loved us that you gave your one and only Son, and he so willingly became the sacrificing atonement for our sins. Lord, he could not have loved us more. And so, God, we adore him today. We worship the source of our love. We worship the hero of the story, the Lamb of God. And we pray, God, that you would accept our worship as pleasing in your sight. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, church family, this is the third Sunday, and we're going to be taking communion together. And I thought, what better way for our adoration to continue than to remember the Lamb of God, to remember the hero of the story. So today I'm going to read a passage of Scripture, but I want to say if you have given your life to Christ, you have entered into a relationship with the Lamb of God, and He is your Savior, you are welcome to partake of this communion with us, the, the representation of the blood and body of the Lamb of God. If you've not yet done, done that, please don't be discouraged. Today could be the day that you enter into that personal relationship with Jesus Christ, but if you're not ready to do that, please just feel free to sit and watch as those of us who've been redeemed give adoration back to our Savior who was slain for us. And so, in a minute, I'm going to invite you to come and take the, the bread and the cup and then go back, and in your time with the Lord, I'm going to ask you to come and adore Him and remember. And this is what the Apostle Paul said. The Lord Jesus, on the night He was betrayed, took bread and when he'd given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So come partake and celebrate the Lamb of God who was slain for you and for me.
Thank you for worshiping with us today. Uh, just a few quick announcements before our benediction. Number one is there's a church business meeting right here at 5 p.m. tonight. We hope that you and your family can be represented. And then we have our Christmas Eve service next Sunday at our normal service time, our one service, no evening service, um, and we'll uh, celebrate together then. So I hope that you can join us and invite family members to be a part of that. So let me give you a benediction as we leave. Um, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. God bless you. Hey, this is Pastor Shannon, and I want to thank you for tuning in today. I trust that the Lord has spoken to you through His Word, and if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, I invite you to trust Him today. If you have questions about what that means, reach out to us through our website, RedeemerRC.com, and one of our pastors will be in touch. In addition, if you would like to partner with Redeemer in her mission to share, shape, and send, you can support our ministry by visiting RedeemerRC.com forward slash give. Now, this podcast is not intended to replace your active participation in the life of a local church. But tune in next week as we continue to lift high the name of Jesus through every paragraph, passage, and page of the Bible.